congregation, the text for this evening's our sermon is from Mark 15, verse 34. Mark 15, verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me so far? The theme for tonight, Christ forsaken for the Christian. Christ forsaken for the Christian. You heard the third three thoughts already in the first place. Forsaken. What is that? Forsake. Who is forsaking who? Secondly, Christ forsaken. How is that possible? Christ forsaken, really? And in the third place, the Christian never forsaken. So the thing, Christ forsaken for the Christian, forsaken, Christ forsaken, and the Christian never, never forsaken. Congregation, young friends, children, they brought Jesus to Golgotha. He was condemned to death, and Pilate agreed on that, and listened to the Pharisees and the scribes, crucify him, crucify him. So they brought him to Golgotha. They were so kind to give Jesus a drink. There's a little of a sedation in there, with a painkiller in there. Wine mingled with myrrh, but no, he, he refused that. He wanted to experience the anger and the holiness of God in his very soul, and he did not want to have any mitigating means. He wanted to be conscious. They crucified him, defied his garments, as was foretold in Psalm 22. It was nine o'clock in the morning, Friday morning, in the first three hours from nine to twelve, it was mocking and mocking. They clothed him with a purple mantle, they gave him a crown of thorns on his head, they greeted him and saluted him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. They smote him on the head with a stick with a reed, and they spit spit upon him and bowed their knees before him, kind of worshipping him, mocking him. And when they had marked him, they took off the purple from him and put on his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Crucify him. At noon, he became suddenly pissed until the third hour. And during that period of time, between 12 and 3, close to 3, to 9 o'clock those days, those days, the Lord Jesus exclaimed, cried with a loud voice, not weak, but loud, with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That is not Hebrew, that is Aramaic. That's the dialect of the Hebrew. Aramaic is, 
And it was the mother tongue of the Lord Jesus. You often see the Lord Jesus spoke his mother tongue, like Tabitha Kimi, and words like that, when he was emotional. And so the Lord was emotional also in his human nature. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can it be true? Can God be forsaken of God? Is there division in God? Do God disagrees? No. Was he really forsaken only had he the feeling that he was forsaken? Or was it a temporary forsaking? Forsake is quite a word. Let us consider that and first try to feel it out, Lord. Forsaking, forgetting. Think of an expecting mother who cannot or do not want to care for the baby. And she forsakes the child. She abandons the child. She gives the child away. She is forsaken. Today, unwanted children are often aborted. But in Israel, when people did not like the baby, want to rid themselves of the baby, they left the baby in the field. Mothers gave birth outside the city, in the grass, in the field, in the bushes. That the baby was born, and they just walked away from it. And the baby was there laying there, in his blood, not cared for. Nobody whispering in, in, in the ear, I love you. No care at all. Forsaken is quite something. Forsaken a baby is such a precious bundle of love. The mother did not hold the baby, refused to feed the baby. And the baby was not washed, not rubbed with salt as they were used to. The umbilical, umbilical cord was not cut. The child was abandoned, forsaken, what a crime. In fact, murder. Ezekiel writes about that. Ezekiel the prophet. And as for thy nativity in the day thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple it, thou wast not salted at all, nor swallowed at all, Non I pity thee, forsaken, nobody cared, nobody would care less. Non I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. No compassion, so being forsaken is having no compassion, nobody caring. Thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person, in the day that thou was born, forsaken. See that? No compassion, no love, nothing expressed, just left alone, forsaking babies. The Lord speaks about that. When you search the scriptures on the word forsaking, and if you go over all the texts that pop up, or that you read in the, in the, in the concordance, 
You see, other words are so connected to the word forsaken. Let me give you a few. We read in the Bible that the people of Israel were forsaking the law. The law was supposed to be a baby, to cuddle it, to obey it, to respect it, to care for the Ten Commandments. And the people of Israel just didn't care about the law of God. They forsook God's commandments. Have we discovered something of that in our own hearts as well? Because that law is the precious bundle the Lord has given us. Do we care for it? And also think of the Bible, the word of the living God, which is kind of included in that. Do we love the Bible? Or do we forsake the Bible? Do we just leave the Bible alone? Do we leave the Bible on the shelf? Do you leave the Bible closed? It's the same as what people do to the babies, right? Don't care. Don't pay attention to it. We also read about forsaking the covenant. There's a special bond between the Lord and the people of Israel. Not saving per se, but a special bond or a covenant made. And the people of Israel did not care for that covenant. They forsook the covenant. They just cut it off. Out of sight. Turn their back to it. Forsake it. So the Bible speaks about forsaking babies, forsaking the law, forsaking the covenant. And worst of all, forsaking God. Forsaking the Almighty One. Forsaking the Creator. Turn our backs to Him. No compassion. No love. No care. This is your own. That's us by nature. The precious law was meant to be held and to be cherished and to be loved. And we did the opposite. But now the serious thing about this is if we are forsaking God's covenant, forsaking God's law, forsaking babies, forsaking God himself, forsaking his son, he will forsake us. The prophet Azariah spoke also in 2 Chronicles 15, and he went out to meet Asa, the king, and said unto him, He me Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Right? So like mothers forsake a baby or commit abortion and don't care, like other people don't care for the covenant, for the law, so people also don't care for the Lord himself 
And the Lord says, now the consequence there is that I forsake you. I forget about you. Because the Lord is with you while you're with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. May that stick tonight. He will forsake you. Can you die that way? Can you live that way? Without God in the world, having no hope? He will forsake you. No, no, no wonder. Forsaking the law and the covenant is heinous, and we deserve to be forsaken. Deserve to be forsaken by who? By our, by our maker, by God. We are that baby on the field. We are that baby on the field, not washed, not cared for. We have forsaken the water of life. We have forsaken the gospel. We have forsaken any cause. We have not cherished, not loved, not protected the precious. We esteemed him not. We despised him. Despising someone is also very close, isn't it? Despising someone is very close to forsaking a person, not loving a person, having no compassion with the person. And oh, do we frown on abortion. How hard we can judge people doing that. And who are we ourselves? Are we abandoning the child? The child? The precious child? Sinners holding? Now let us thou thy servant go in peace. His eyes had seen that salvation. He cared. He did not forsake the baby. He saw the baby, held the baby, looked at the baby, loved the child. Oh, he is the dearest, the only begotten, who has seen him, has seen the Father. Do we forsake this teacher, this king, this high priest? He will forsake us. Isn't that what we did? Leaving the law, abandoning God's commandments, not cherishing God's precepts? Do we care? But Christ forsaken. Now Christ forsaken. He talks about forsaking babies and forsaking the Ten Commandments and forsaking the covenant and forsaking the Lord. But now forsaking Christ. Christ himself, the child. Quite something. Forsaken. We have crucified him. He was exemplified as a serpent on a pole because of the imputation of sin. Imputation of sin. Do you still remember the word imputation? Accounted to someone. Accredited to someone. So the Lord Jesus was not a sinner, right? Boys, girls. But Jesus was not a sinner. He had not sinned at all, ever. Also not as a boy. He had not sinned. But legally, he was looked at by the Father as a sinner. And the Father did something to him. He forsook him, in a sense, our second thought. We know nothing specific about the time between 12 and 3 
when the Lord Jesus hang on the cross. He can only mention a few things in general terms. If you don't know the details, something of this must be, must be true. In those hours, 12 to 3, he was made to be sin for us. Made to be sin. He was the focal point of the anger of the Holy God and made to be the sin offering. In those hours, he became a curse. Cursed is everyone hang on the tree. He became the curse to take the curse away for others. He was wounded there for our transgressions. On him was laid the iniquity of his all. He was truly forsaken, was he? I read an example about that. Not perfect? It might help a little. Explaining how the Lord Jesus could possibly be forsaken by his Father and still be loved. Loved and forsaken at the same time. A child was admitted to the intensive care unit. Quite sick. And the nurse said, you can't stay, you have to leave the room. So mama's standing in another room. She couldn't even see the baby. And she loved that baby. It was said separation as well. She did not forsake it, but you that the child may, may, may feel forsaken. Two, three years old maybe, and like to have mom there, like to have dad there, and yet be forsaken. So a loving father, a loving mother, and yet not close. So it's different, of course. Kind of. So God the Father kept loving his son all the time. Never hated him, but yet there was a distance also. A distance and yet love. Christ was on the cross. And his fourth word was, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Christ quoted the well-known Psalm 22. He quoted the Bible. He quoted that special Psalm 22. So we need to understand that Psalm in order to understand the fourth word of the gospel, the, the, the fourth word on the, on the cross. And the first question is this. Psalm 22. Is it a psalm only about Christ? Is it about David, maybe? In deeper sense about Christ? Is it, is it really, really Christ mender? I would say, in the first place, it is all about Christ. The whole psalm is about the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read the psalm, you notice that. Listen to this, Psalm 22. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake their head. Say he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, see the light in him. Many balls have come past me, strong balls of Bashan have beset me around. They part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. For yet not despised, but abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has he hid his face 
from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, I pray shall be of thee in the great congregation, I pray my vows before them, that fear him. See? Some of those texts must refer to Christ and to nobody else. Right? They part my garments, but David's garments parted. Did they cast lots on David's garments? No. It's all about Christ. And so the, the, the last part of Psalm 22 is about my praise shall be of thee. Very positive. Also can refer to David as David does not fit in the text 27. All the ends of the world shall remember, shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. Must refer to Christ. Psalm 22 is entirely about the Lord Jesus. Another important question, you look at the psalm, begins with suffering, suffering, suffering. And the end of the psalm begins with promises, promises, promises. And some say the first part refers to Christ. The second part not. That's hard to believe. As you already saw it together, the whole psalm is about the Lord Jesus. Some say it is about the circumstances changing. No. The circumstances don't change. The perspective changes. So we believe that Psalm 22 is all about the Lord Jesus. All about the Lord Jesus. And that he speaks also already in the first verse about the deep affliction combined with faith. Combined with trusting in him. Holding on to the Lord. My God. My God. So in the very beginning, it's very positive. It's not something of a victim. He is also in charge of all things. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, my God, my God. Remarkable also from verse 24, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither has he hid his face from him. He has not hid his face from him. His father did not hide his face from him. That's what he has promised. My praise shall be, shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows for them that fear him. No, it was not less serious in the beginning. The psalm begins with, my God, my God. We also read this in Acts 2. Acts 2, Psalm 22 is also called remarkable. Listen to this. Acts 2, verse 25 and 26. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. See? So the Lord Jesus felt forsaken. He was not forsaken. He did not feel loved, but he was loved. 
In the beginning of Psalm 22, he expressed his suffering. In the second part, he expresses his believing and trusting of his Father. It's the same Jesus, the same circumstances. And in the greatest darkness, he was holding on to his Father. How is that possible? How can God the Father do that? Well, he did not abandon him. How could he? He did not reject him. People reject and despise the Lord Jesus. His Father loved him. did never reject him at all. But was holding on to him. He was hiding his face, and yet also showing his faithfulness to him. Some say that God was angry, and the Lord Jesus was trying to convince his father to forgive. No. The Lord was not even angry with his son. He laid the burden of anger on him, but was not angry with him personally at all. He had never more, more, more pressure in him than, 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 than this time. He was not indifferent either. God the Father did not reject, was not angry, had never more pleasure, was not indifferent. God the Father was also one with the Son, united, agreeing with him. How could God hate him? Lord Jesus being perfect and never disappointed his Father. He was the beloved Son, Yet he treated him as if he was the greatest sinner. God the Father treated his son as if, as if. He wasn't, as if. He laid on him the wrath for the iniquities of the world. He bruised him. He cut him off. He condemned him, in a sense. Yet at the same time, he felt all those things, but in his mind, in God's holy mind, he still loved his son for doing this, for being so willing to sacrifice himself. Also consider that he suffered, that the Lord Jesus suffered in his human nature. Nobody can suffer in his divine nature. The divine nature cannot suffer. But he, yes, it's true, he draws some comfort, was obedient, trusted his father, and yet experienced that emptiness, that separation as well. So Psalm 22, the attention shifts to suffering to God's promises not hiding his face. When he cried unto him, he heard. It's sad. It's Psalm 22. He heard. His father heard in heaven. She laid on him the iniquities, and he heard him at the same time. The father and the son, I think this is maybe the heart of this sermon. The father and the son never disagreed on anything. Also not in the suffering. The Father 
also was grieving, grieving for being sinless. And the son was grieving for being fatherless. Deep grieving, incomprehensible. But the, the work of the father and the son was collaborative, was working together, both, and in an active way, God giving up the son, giving up li- life, not as if he wants to punish and Christ intervenes. No. They fully agree. Incomprehensible. See how generous the Lord is. See how generous the Father is. Being so willingly. But also the Lord Jesus hoping and believing and trusting and knowing that his Father would hear him and all the nations will be blessed by him. Have you seen this this morning? As you know, the Lord Jesus was not only a prophet, not only a king, also a high priest. And not only the high priest entering into the gate, into the, to the veil, he was also the sacrifice himself. He was also the scapegoat himself. And the hands of God were upon him. By thou forsaken me. Have you seen it this morning? In the tokens of the wine and the bread, you see this, that God was forsaken his son and yet loved him. Never seen this? I know why. You don't see the preciousness of the Lord Jesus being forsaken. Then I know what's the reason. You never felt and saw what you have been forsaken. And that you now deserve to be forsaken. If we see that we have been forsaken, forsaken not only babies, forsaking the law, and forsaking the covenant, and forsaking God, and forsaking Jesus, and forsaking the Bible, forsaking the truth. If you see that, then dawns on us. Now I need to be forsaken. And then there comes that hole, and the desire, and that desire for the solution. To be forgiven and to not be forsaken. And if you would ask such a person who feels forsaken, what do you want? What's your desire? You would say, just a little compassion of God. He would smile upon me. That he would be kind to me. You would not look the other way. You would look at me. So forlorn. So abandoned. Don't we read that in Ezekiel as well? And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, 
I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. So someone being forsaken and just dying or having died and on the field and in a hopeless case, someone passes by and just looks at the child and cares for the child and raises the child. Oh, that is what God's people would will, love them. And they feel so forsaken. They like the smile of God, that care of the Lord. That he wants them back. That he also gives compassion and love. Don't children need love? Don't children need compassion? Don't children not need empathy? And if they miss that, they miss a lot. What about us personally? Do we miss that closeness with God? And do we even care? Forsaken, forsaking Christ. And now the third point, the Christian never forsaken. Congregation, our text, and the fourth word on the cross is a question. Why? Why hast thou forsaken me? Did Christ not know the answer? She asking why? I have no idea why. Why do I need to be crucified? Why forsaken? She asked his father why for, for the answer? Really? He's God himself. Of course not. He knew it. He knew it most perfectly himself. It was also not a rhetorical question. It was an expression of agony. Let me ask you this. Do you, you know the answer? Why was he forsaken? Why? To take away condemnation for all that are in him. The result is that the forsaken, unworthy people will never be forsaken anymore. Look his compassion and closeness. Through him, the child of God can be precious to the Father. Psalm 103. Like as the Father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. See, this is the opposite of being on the field, opposite of being left alone. The Father pitying, caring for his children. Also think of Isaiah 49. There's a complaint in the text. The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her second child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not I forget thee, say the Lord. Behold, I have graven thee upon the, 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 the palms of my hands. Thy vows are continually before me. Any idea what it means? Verse 16. I have graven thee upon, my, upon the palms of my hands. Why would someone just write on the palms of his hands? To be constantly reminded, right? That's a sticky note. 
Simply, you should not forget. So the Lord says, I will write my people in my hands so I can forget them. I can forsake them. And about those walls? Thy walls are continually before me. The walls, the broken walls of Babylon, of, of, of Jerusalem rather, causing on God's mind. Because he could not forget about his people, Israel. And the walls are continually before him. So then the Lord begins the work of regeneration. Those things become important. It usually starts with becoming a missing person, a forsaken person, a forgotten person, not careful person, not not loved person. You feel so without God in the world, having no hope. But then the Lord also gives that faith in ours, and they begin to seek the Lord. I will say to God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Do you know something of that? Do you know of that emptiness? Do you know of that being forsaken without God in the world and then craving God's countenance, craving God's love? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Psalm 77. Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Sila, all that can also happen afterward. After many years being on the road, God's people can still come back to those places that they feel forgotten again. And then they like to be close again to the Lord, and they cannot bring them back themselves. Forsaken, often a result of falling back into. In, in, in the ways of God's grace, bring darkness over your own soul, right? Can we, can we come so dark again? Why? Why so dark again in the heart of God's people after so many years? Because the Lord is, a, is judge of his, of his glory. And the Lord withdraws his spirit when his people live a sloppy life. When they forsake the Bible, when they forsake prayer, when they forsake the assembly, and they forsake the Lord Jesus Christ, then they are becoming indifferent and, and leave the first love. Then the Holy Spirit also is grieved, and then they feel the darkness again. They feel forsaken again. And then they wonder, does Lord still know me? Forsaken. Also, and certain sins are not attacked, and they do not strive and fight unto blood. The consequences are also darkness and unbelief and doubt and being forsaken. But the Lord will never forsake his people. They may feel like that. They may, they may, withdraw, they may feel that the Lord is withdrawing his spirit, but he is not withdrawing himself. He is still the same. Isaiah 40. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, 
neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. See? So there's no forgetting, people. No matter what. They can fall deep fall, like, like the Apostle Peter. It's still holding on to them. They may feel like that. They may feel like forgotten. But they may say, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me? He is still the same. Have you seen something of the forsaken of the son? Forsaken by his own father? What a joy to see that. When they see the iniquities laid on him, cast on him, thrown at him, or he being willing to also accept it, we see that with joy. And converted ones among us, you could not attend this morning. You remain in your pews, rightly so. How do you feel about that? You realize what that means? means outside the circle. It's outside of God's grace. Grace can still be given, but your sins have not been forgiven at all. And it's that distance. Can you live with that? Can you enjoy this life in such a way that you forget about God and forget about the Lord Jesus Christ that you can handle that? Or we fell so deep that we still have the ability to continue on in our stubbornness, forsaking the covenant forsaking the Lord, forsaking the law, and just continuing the heart of our hearts, and so many hard in our hearts and become harder over time. Still there is a God who warns us that he is the God of grace. And you who have attended this morning, seek more of that closeness See more of that Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not forsake his covenant. Do not forsake his word. Do not forsake his commandments. And try to stay close to him. Because he is a jealous God. And he will withdraw if you withdraw. He will forsake you. If you forsake him. Not totally you see, he cannot forsake his people, but it is yet serious. And in case you're suffering, like the Lord Jesus suffered tremendously and infinitely, if you suffer as well, suffer diseases or problems or whatever it is, learn something of the Lord Jesus in this fourth Birth on the cross. He said, My God. My God. He said that. He did not leave with my out. He said, My God. My God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And so if you were of his, in spite of all the circumstances, you may say, My God. My God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And read it Psalm 22 then, completely. Also the leather part, with all those promises in there for the people of God. You would say, oh, I hear it again. It's for God's people. Right. For God's people. But you can also become one of them. The door is yet open. 
You know, some people like texts in the Bible with with many in there. And others like texts in the Bible with few in there. You can make a long list of many are called, few chosen, little flock. So the the more more, more expression in the Bible like that. There are a few saved, right? And others like text with many. They're both in the Bible. Let us not focus on only the few texts. Because it's discouraging. It's also not only talk about the many texts. There is plenty and there is many, many, many. That's true, but it can also make people feel shallow and just don't take it seriously. You remember the time that the Lord Jesus was asked if many will be saved, right? And the Lord Jesus answered the question and said, Strive ye to enter in. So no use of talking about many or few or... It's both right. It's both the Bible. But we must strive to enter in. Because the Lord has said so. To seek him. So when you read Psalm 22, think of the circumstances staying the same and the perspective changing. In the beginning, the suffering, in the letter by the promises, they belong to one another. And boys, girls, young people, you could not attend this morning. You're not allowed to. You first need to grow up, and you first need to be able to process those things and to examine your own heart. You need also that confession of faith. But maybe there are a few of you hoping that someday, I, I also may sit at the, at the table. Why would you like that? Some people say, I really need to go to the Lord's Supper table. But Lord, Lord, something itself is nothing. The bread is nothing. The wine is nothing. It doesn't save. I hope that's not, that, I hope that's not your real concern. If you can go to the Lord's Sabbath, the biggest concern is to be a child of the Lord. And then attend the Lord's Sabbath. Don't skip that. Don't go too fast. Focus first on a new heart, repentance, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But yes, I understand it. You may be also jealous of that people. You can sit at the table. You can hear the voice of God. This is my body, broken for you. Just have patience and keep seeking the Lord. And who knows? How early you may someday attend the Lord's supper table. Not for your glory, but for the Lord's glory. That he might receive all the honor, all the glory, all the majesty forever. Amen.